Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. This call is being recorded. Hi, all. Five star final. Jason Jones, Joe Patrick, Dirty South Soccer, right here, right now. Joe, like a singles night at an Orlando Applebee's. It was not pretty last night, but you know what? I guess in a weird way, it got the job done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the Applebee's, the Orlando Applebee's. Just, just getting just getting lost in baby back ribs in my in my head but uh yeah it, it was game game kind of sucked let's let's be honest yeah it did suck. look that first half was genuinely on both ends one of the worst halves of soccer <laughs> i've ever seen i've yeah. ever sat through and i used to watch charlie adam play for liverpool that was a thing that <laughs> happened so <laughs> golly man um if the Last 20 minutes of that game hadn't have happened. Um, I would have been more more vicious than I already am a little bit about last night. Uh, yeah. I'm, after the first half, I was ready to burn it all down. I mean, I think there were like six total shots in the first half between the two teams. And I think Atlanta's first shot came in like the... Don't quote me on this because I have no idea. I, this is j- I'm just trying to recall as best I can, but I think it came in like the twenty something minute. Like it was really not entertaining at all. It w- there was nothing really happening. Um, players didn't look in sync, and you know, in my opinion, it just comes down to the fact. It, to me, a large part of it comes down to the fact that Pitti Martinez was playing in the middle of all of this, and he was just not right. He was not good. I don't know how else we can't sugarcoat it. Like he was just not good. He he did not look like a player um, that was deserving of a first team, a place in the first team, in my opinion. Speaking of mighty ducks, you know how when <laughs> the the kid who's now Foggy Nelson on uh, Daredevil, no, um, shoot, what's his name? He's one of the Bash <laughs> brothers. Um, oh, the kid well. they pick up who breaks Gordon Bombay's window, right? Like the original um, Bash Brother guy, yeah, 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 yeah. Dark haired uh, one, long hair. One. I yeah, can't I don't remember his name in the movie for some reason. Anyway, uh, he's got that wicked shot right, but no one does. Ever does he have? Does, does that character have a name, or is he just Bash oh, Brother number one? He's got a name, and we'll we will look that up here at some point <laughs> on Five Strike Final. But you, when Petey hits the ball at this point. I'm just kind of assuming that it's going nowhere near where it's supposed to go, right? Like, there was a cross he had during this game where I about fell out of my chair and just laid face down on the floor in the press box. That hurt me that much to watch it. He's broken. Yeah, yeah. I have something coming out about this tomorrow, which will be today. Um, it will already be out probably by the time you're listen, listening to this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there are lots of things that kind of contribute to his brokenness, but I definitely agree that he's broken. Definitely broken. Um, not unfixably broken, I don't think mm-hmm. either, but um, it's just like right now, it's not good. Not, not good times for, uh, for the boy, LPT. Um, 
Yeah, and Frank was talking about it, of course. We'll go ahead and get to those quotes. Um, Frank said last night, and, and we do want to point out that Petey last night was in the 10 spot uh, for Atlanta United, uh, the 10 position. I don't know even how you say that. He was, he was Fulton Reed. Fulton Reed, that's what it is. You beat me to it. Thank you. Um, Petey is our Fulton Reed at the 10 spot, I guess. Uh, God, can we keep that going for the rest of the year? That's a good bit. Um, Holy crap, this guy looks way different now. He's Foggy Nelson on Daredevil. I don't know what that is. You've never seen Dare the Dare- look. I I don't like superhero movies, but I like the Daredevil TV show. You need to get with it. Um, More pictures of this guy I see, <laughs> the weirder it becomes. It, it, <laughs> it's like a reverse Pokemon evolution. Like he gets less cool as he goes along. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, Frank Divorce. <laughs> Maybe he was not at his best play, but it doesn't matter because it's his first time starting there. He has to get used to it. He has to get used to the surface and everything, fart noise, and also the style of. Wait, did he say it doesn't? Did did he say it doesn't matter? Joe, (laughs) we've talked about Frank press conferences on here and how there's a legitimate question that I have when he speaks, and it is. What does he mean when he says words? <laughs> and that question came up a lot last night. I timed the first answer. The first answer from the very first question. Yeah. Doug Roberson, AJC. Two minutes, 55 seconds. Within it that. It felt he, like 10. Dog. <laughs> we just sat there. I, I like started looking was, at Jared Smith. Like, which is my same with me. Open. I started looking around to see if anybody else was kind of rolling their eyes or shaking their head about what was going on. I did. I, I, I opened up the, the quote sheet that the, the, uh, the team transcribes and, and sends to media today. And I, I laughed. It was just like the first that two that nearly three minute response was just like one paragraph. <laughs> it's like and I don't I haven't gone back to listen to it. So I don't know if they just like quit or tried to like, you know, catch the catch the highlights of what he was saying yeah i feel bad for like the, the editors you know for the <sighs> comm staff because it's like if um if you handed like a, a a film student like an unlimited budget to shoot his movie and then he shot like a thousand hours of footage and just passed it off to the editors and said good luck turn it into my vision you know that's yeah, what the I, comm staff is having to do with, with frank I, I was talking to Felipe Cardenas at uh, at training on Thursday about this during the week where it's like when we're writing stories, like you just try to write as much as you can based on other people's quotes and then go and do Frank DeBoer last because he's just the one that you're regretting or um, that you're uh, you, you're just dreading um, having to transcribe what he's saying. So one time I watched Bill Belichick. Uh, give a, a seven-minute answer in a press conference in what was a 12-minute allotted time press conference. And I was la- the, the Boston media who were there were, were like laughing, you know, and like shaking their heads at each other because I, Bill Belichick somewhere along the way has figured out that he can filibuster these things, right? So if he gets a good question to just kind of right. on for a little bit, he's going to go with it. And somehow Frank has like inadvertently figured out how to filibuster his own press conference by talking in circles and saying nothing really of substance. What were we even talking about? Well, that's what I mean. I mean, uh, Bill Belichick's responses are completely tactical when he does that, where Frank DeBoer is just kind of going off on a uh, dream of consciousness, just not even knowing what he's saying, really, I think. Where yeah. were we? Talking about Maybe he was or not something? at his best play, but it doesn't matter because it's his first time starting there. He has to get used to it. He has to get used to the surface and everything, and also the style of play in MLS, of course. But yeah, he's our number 10 normally. 
We want him to we want him close to Joseph Martinez. They have a good combination, the board said. Cool. Cool. Um cool. Yeah, I he don't know really about that. He didn't really start in preseason. He had an injury. It was the first time that he started after a long period. Training is not as good as the game. Everybody that has played knows it. He's getting there. <laughs> I mean, the the guys are clearly protecting him, right? And it's it, you know they're in a tough position. The coach is trying to protect him. I, you know, Leandro Gonzalez Perez said that he like played great or something um, post game. You know, it was funny. I was reading LGP's quote about him when someone asked about him, and he very clearly. Um, and eloquently diagnoses like kind of the issue with Pitti Martinez, which is that he's just very different from Miguel Almiron in terms of their styles of play, the way Miguel liked to kind of run into open spaces and be that kind of explosive dynamic athlete type of number 10 and Pitti's much different. So they're trying to adapt to that. And so he explains all this. And then like at the end of his quote, he's like, and I thought he played great. Like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I was with you until then, but, um, yeah, I mean... So, so what kicks all this off, though, is a decision to move a guy who, who DeBoer openly says, you know, that um, he isn't used to this style and everything like that, uh, but moves him to a spot that Ezequiel Barco has excelled at this season, right? Right. Against the team they know is going to bunker, against the team they know is going to sit back a ton. And so you take off, you know the guy who's maybe been your most incisive person and shift him out wide where we know from many, many data points at this, at this period of time is not phenomenal when he gets out wide. And he was relatively, you know, relatively invisible for a lot of it until the last 20, 25 minutes when he really started to get central and start making things happen. Yeah. What if I, if I'm just kind of diving into Frank DeBoer's, brain I'm, I'm i'm thinking that the idea of this was to since pt's having some more difficulty you know it's more difficult for him right now in the starting 11 than anyone else because of the obviously the adaptation that he's trying to make to this team to the league etc um i think that he, what he was probably trying to do was trying to make it as comfortable for him to play in this team as possible by playing him in you know whatever position he probably wanted to play and i would imagine they probably either they've discussed in the past that he probably prefers to play in a number 10 type of role. Um, again, it's just me speculating, but I imagine that Frank DeBoer wanted to put him in the best position possible. And since Barco has actually been in better form to like make him be the one that's like a little bit, you know, ha- having to adapt to this, to this team with both of them in the starting 11. But um, yeah, it's just speculation on my part. I mean, it's tough because the team probably would have played much better. I think if Ezekiel Barco was playing in the number 10 and even if Pitti Martinez was, you know, out wide in a place where he wouldn't have rather have been, um, the team probably would have been better off. So it's tough. It's That's the dilemma I think right now is like, do you try to do everything you can to, um, to, you know, to, to help Pitti Martinez acclimate to the league and to the team, or do you, you know, put the team's best interest in mind first. And, it, you know, saying it out loud, it sounds obvious, you know, you should put the team's best interest first, but, you know, maybe trying to make things more comfortable for Pretty Martinez now will help the team more later, you know, by, by the end of the season than, mm-hmm. um, than it does now. But uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's, it's a tough dilemma that he's in. Right. It, it, it's say. one of those things too, where like you, you see people sometimes get credited for, for doing things when in these grand elaborate schemes, when, 
maybe they really aren't that thoughtful about it, I guess. Yeah, maybe. That's the nice <laughs> way to put it. Um, he could have but, just thought that Pitty Martinez was going to give him the better performance at the number 10 role. Who knows? I don't right, know. Right. It may not have been a grand design uh, from that, but uh, do you know, you know what? If it pays off, fine, whatever. Um, but man, it's just so hard to even, even think about this guy as, as the, the South American player of the year. You know? I know. I, I, I for real thought this guy was just coming and torture, torture the entire league, really. <laughs> it just hadn't even come. Come close, and it's it's disappointing in a way that for some reason Ezekiel wasn't. I think because Ezekiel was so young, right? And, and we saw him and went, "Oh, he's he's little. He cut braces. He's kind of weird looking." <laughs> um, then Pity comes in and he's angry, stone faced, like looks like badass is uh-huh. going to just be you know stone cold killer throughout this whole thing, and he hadn't done nothing. The best thing he's done so far is scream at everybody as he's getting taken off. <laughs> his worst game in Atlanta. <laughs> At least he showed he cared. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, you know, this has to do with the flow state that I was in uh, <laughs> earlier. But I was just, I, I, I understand. I understand why he was frustrated. You know, and I understand, and not just the 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 way. I'm sure he was frustrated because he played poorly. You know, and he didn't want to come off and all of that jazz. Um, but I think there's probably like even more more human frustrations that already existed and you know that's the kind of event when you play poorly like that and you come off early when some of those frustrations you know they kind of come to the fore they 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 kind of explode you know when you haven't seen your wife and kids of in any place other than over uh you know a, a digital screen on the phone when you're facetiming with them at night after you've had these frustrating days and nights you know trying to navigate your way through life in a foreign country by yourself, um, you know, those frustrations come to the fore at some point. And, you know, that's the kind of event that makes that happen. So um, I, under- I understand. I, I kind of I understand where that comes from. Hopefully it's not, you know, some deep-seated thing. Hopefully he felt better to get that out. But, um, yeah, it's t- I, I, I honestly, like, when I saw the, the video of his little outburst, I kind of felt for him. It's just tough, you know. There has to be more than soccer going on there is what I felt when I saw that. I don't know what I felt. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a ball of emotions with this. <laughs> Thankfully, know, we man. won. We won. We haven't even gotten to that yet. I guess we won. Out of last place, that's, baby. That's the thing. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at it, two games in hand, you win two games in a row, you're third in the conference. Um, but... If you are, if you took more optimism from last night's game than you did, than from the one against Dallas, I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. I guess is, is my thought, and I think this leads into a larger discussion we've been having a lot, Joe. Well, I think it explains kind of what we were talking about la- after the game last week, which is that you know, first of all, you you should come to these games, to these matches, to be entertained, to have a good time, to watch the team play well, you know, and hopefully when they do that, they will win the game. That's not always going to happen though. And I think that, you know, it just, it's just, it's just tough. Like how you want both, right? I, I mean, that's the obvious thing is you want to see the team pass the ball around the opposition and score five goals or seven goals. If you're new England and, you know, 
happy days. But I just don't think that's going to happen much anymore uh, in general. I think with the way teams are defending uh, Atlanta United and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I just think that if Atlanta is not able to get these early goals, then I think that it's going to continue to be kind of struggles like this. And it happened under Tata Martino, too. It's like, you know, honestly, though, they did get the early goal, not more often than not, but quite often. And now I, I just think that, you know, everything's going to be more difficult. But then, you know, this is a, I'm, kind, I'm kind of getting new, off topic on, on what, the, what the initial conversation was. The, the bunkering isn't a new issue, is the thing. Like, it, right. this is... It's something we've experienced a lot. And I think Taylor Football was talking a lot in the Slack last night about how people were having the same, sort of the same complaints last year. But for me, it was different in that just the, the I guess the style of it, I guess, the, the flair of it all is just so not non-existent. Like there's just nothing there to keep you engaged and then there's nothing there to really keep you encouraged and yeah for some reason it felt different to see this team try to execute against the bunker uh with with tata's system in place i think that team had more confidence you know in in that when they faced those bunkers they kind of had more confidence to go forward and um just had a better understanding with one another as to you know the push and pull, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the relationship that players have with one another. Now you're kind of playing with, you know, you've got Breck Shea on the left, which kind of complicates things. You've got Pitti Martinez. <laughs> again. It does complicate things in the sense that Breck Shea is bad at soccer. Yes. Continue. I mean, I mean the gap between going from Greg Garza to Breck Shea is, uh, it, that's a massive gap. They aren't quality. even, defend, Joe, they aren't even defending him anymore. Like, I mean, if you look up from the press box and just kind of look down and, and see where people are lined up and where the width is kind of shifted to, you know, uh, it's yeah. way over on one side. And then Breck Shea is always open. Always. They're they're so happy to let him have the ball. Miss, I miss I miss George Bellow. I miss Chris McCann. Oh, no. <laughs> so do I. He gave me good fashion tips. He did. He did. He fixed your shoe problem. But, that's, that's um, a legit thought I had at some point today was that I wonder, I wonder if that is the consensus for a lot of people because I'm starting to get there that that Chris McCann might have been a better option. And, and for part of me says that can't be true, right? That like that goes against everything I believe in as a person, as a human. Uh, but man, dude, it, it's it's rough. Yeah. Um... So anyway, you've got, you know, you've got, you've got different pieces and I think guys are still trying. So they don't have that confidence, right. To, to just pour the numbers forward, kind of knowing the guys at the back have things locked down. Now they actually did put numbers forward in the second half. And um, you know, what really frustrated me about the game was when the team put those numbers forward and then they would get a cross in or something, you know, they put the ball in the box, Colorado would clear it would kind of fall eventually to like Leandro Gonzalez Perez or one of the center backs at the back. And for me, that was the most frustrating points of the match where when they, the ball fell in those positions, it was just too slow to be then recycled again. I thought, you know, under in a Tata Martino coach team, when, when the players had those, that cohesion, that ball would move a lot faster in that specific instance. And by doing so, you've got the defense disorganized at that point. If you just delay just as much as a few seconds to kind of just start the passing movements again, 
then you give the defense time to reorganize and set up. And then you're just kind of back where you started behind it, uh, trying to break down a bunker. Uh, what I thought Tata Martino's team always did really well is when they got in those crosses, which Tata Martino really encouraged. He would always talk about how he wanted more crosses, um, which is kind of funny because it's like the anti-analyst uh, take on soccer. Um you know, when, when they would put in those crosses, it created disorganization and they would t- and Atlanta was able to take advantage of that. And right now it just doesn't seem like Atlanta is able to disorganize the opponent like they like like we've seen them do in the past. Right. And something that kind of crossed my mind, too, uh, as far as just getting people disorganized. Um, it feels like I haven't seen a player just try to blow past somebody or just do anything <laughs> one-on-one or do anything like relatively creative. And so this long. is my show and just go for it. <laughs> someone <laughs> needs to play hero ball. And you know yeah. what happened last night? You know, when someone actually took off and found some space and got to the end line and played a ball back the goal. Right. And that's what, that's what really kind of made me have the thought was just, of course, Darlington kind of picked it up off a loose ball, but he didn't waste his damn time. Right. It was still kind of chaotic. It was half, you know, it was half something good was going to happen, half something terrible was going to happen, but at least something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a controlled chaos. I always felt like that, that, that was a hallmark of Tata Martino's teams, where it's like, it just kind of created chaos. And sometimes it worked against Atlanta, but usually it worked for them. Absolutely. And when you're playing against MLS defenses, you know, or any defense, really, if, if everything is just kind of going crazy on that end, eventually something's going to pay off for you. Sam, right. yeah. Keegan Rosenberry was a central defender last night. Joe, they started a 16-year-old at right back. <laughs> Dude, I, mm, we've been bunkered against uh, by much, much better teams than that and made them look worse. That's, one of the, that's another reason for, for my frustration, I think. Yeah. I, mm, they were 0-6-2. and two coming. They're... they're fucking terrible their manager is literally trying to get himself fired by (laughs) talking by telling about how the ownership is too cheap to buy him players but the ownership is too cheap to fire him yeah well you know who made that same argument against after playing atlanta united was the the aridiano coach who then got fired that's right (laughs) right so i mean anthony hudson just just going full out for that i respect it he learns from the best at least he spoke words goods um that's we have any questions? Colorado media, all three of them. Yeah, we had a bunch of I'll questions. I'll look up and see if we have any questions. Um, oh, we had one from Rob. I saw that he had asked um, who's going to die in Game of Thrones. But I have a question for you because I don't think okay. you watch Game of You don't watch Game of Thrones, right? No, but I will be – I guess it starts in like eight minutes. I will be tweeting out vague things throughout the like hour and a half it's supposed to run just to see if I can get likes on things like, oh, she had it coming, mm-hmm. you know? Right, I mean, right. I'm not going to watch the show, right? I'm just going to yeah. throw it out there and see if I get anything. So so pay attention to that. So tonight's episode is basically going to be like a Royal Rumble of all the characters in the show, basically all fighting. So I would just wanted to ask you who would win a Royal Rumble on Atlanta United? Oh, like a fight to the death. Yeah. Um Miles is too nice. He's he, he's Agreed. probably the biggest, right? He's probably the one you'd like yeah. pick just based on sight. Mm-hmm. Um, but the winner of this is is LGP, obviously. I think because crazy, crazy gets you a long way in big fights, right? Yeah, you know, I agree. Like, I agree. 
but I, I have a different answer. But yeah, okay. I, mean, I, I agree with your reasoning here so far. Sure. Like, I mean, well, if like if you're trying to like take a take a beer bottle or something to someone's head, like, and you just see crazy in their eyes, you're gonna you're gonna hesitate for a second, and that hesitation that's gonna ruin you. And that's when Leandro takes advantage and shivs you with the toothbrush he's been carving for months in preparation for this fight that that may or may not happen. I'm going with Tito. He's crazy and he's got nothing to lose. You don't be worried about his hair, man. That's probably true. <laughs> um, Joe, who who wins Star Trek or whatever the show is? Huh? Who wins the the Game of Thrones thing? Who who ends Game of Thrones on the Iron Throne? Oh, like in the actual show? Yeah, I guess that's the question from Rob. Yeah, I, I don't I don't care about his actual question. It just gave me a good idea to ask a question of my own. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, screw Rob. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, questions suck, y'all. Do better. Uh, if MLS had relegation, would DeBoer already be sacked? Tough, because it kind of you know you'd have to think about who's his boss. I like if he had had this start in Italy, yes, yeah. Um, I think history tells us that, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or England for that. Matter. I guess in England uh, too, yeah. But uh, yeah, but we're MLS. Darren seems like he had people makes playoffs. Yeah. Darren, not- Darren showed up to the locker room for the first time. In he was. Last I think he was like trying to get the mood up. Yeah. Trying to like reinforce that it, it was a good thing what happened in the 90 minutes. But we'll see. They did have music pumping, which is obviously they only do after wins. And that was nice to hear. Mm-hmm. It still didn't seem. The, the sounds of reggaeton. The mood, the, the mood was like, you know, it was still subdued to, to an extent. Yeah. And guys weren't talking about why it wasn't as jubilant as maybe you would expect after a win, but I think we all knew. Which, like, it goes back to something you and Chris Vermeister were talking about, which is that there was never going to be, like, a, an extremely positive outcome, I guess, from this, right? Like, unless yeah, the I mean, team that's, man just thumped them. It's right? the inherent problem with playing Colorado. <laughs> right. So who planned that? Like, you can't, um, you can't, re- like, Really, it's set up for bad things, like for for, for failure. Uh, even if, even in win, there are echoes of failure. Yeah, yeah. You get that tattooed. That's good. No, I like it. Um, yeah, the questions the questions are terrible. Or, or it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Yeah. Um, any any more thoughts, Joe Patrick? Any uh, no. Any more thoughts I mean, on it's such a three? boring game. I think we kind of talked about kind of the two main talking points. Wait. I don't know what else there is to talk about, so let's Uh, just get on out of here. Back at it on Sunday night sometime. Well, no, definitely not. Sorry this show was not live. That was totally my – totes my bad. Oh, yeah, Joe Joe had to do baseball. Um, But uh, Sporting Kansas City, Sunday, 9 o'clock over in Kansas. Uh, Hey, they suck right now, so that's good. Yeah, they got beat by New England, which not a good indication ever, ever. Uh, but yeah, we'll have a show to you guys about that. Uh, keep sending us stuff and fun things like that. And we'll, yeah, talk to you about Bye. Bye. Woo-hoo. See you guys.